Again, I'd remind us we've been asked to bow our heads today, and in between the verses as I read them, I've been also asked to pause for a moment, perhaps as a manner to allow us to ponder anew, to maybe help bring something that seems ordinary in our life out of the ordinary just for a moment as we deliberately move through these scriptures. Would you bow with me as I read, please? Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I know that we don't always, you know, applaud, but I thought that was wonderful. She, she was moving the paper too I mean it was amazing which she you know Vicky's an amazing musician but when you really realize what a marvelous missional beast she is along with Bobby who became Uncle Bobby in Cape Town South Africa when they were all day in this blazing hot what would you call it Stephen like a container in in over yeah yeah, there you go, and, and overcome heights, and yet, and even with a migraine, where are you? Where'd Vicky go? Uh, you had a migraine, and she stayed there for hours. She's a missional beast, if I might say, and I mean that in the uh, highest, highest uh, esteem. Uh, they are marvelous missionaries. If I don't, uh, if I don't gesture as much as I usually do, uh, I spent the last two hours before darkness yesterday slinging long needle straw all in my front yard because of the youth and uh, helping raise money for them. But what was cool was it was delivered to me personally by Billy Joel, which was really cool, or, or the closest person to being the one and only Billy Joel. So thank you, Brock. That was great. So we're restarting uh, our series on the Lord's Prayer, the prayer we pray together, living the Lord's Prayer. And we're talking about thy kingdom come, uh, but I, I want to—I don't want to neglect uh, hallowed be thy name, which we really didn't get to. So I want to stop there. But first I want us to keep in mind that there's one phrase of this whole prayer that really binds the six petitions together, and it's in verse 10, it's on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, may things on earth become more like things in heaven. That's what we're talking about here. So you can look in the outline in your bulletin or up here in the slides. 
Let's just jump right in. First of all, the Father who is holy, hallowed be thy name. Uh, Some of us have been victims of identity theft, and it's terrible because you get exploited, you get used, it's frustrating, you really feel violated, but it's exponentially worse when we victimize God with identity theft. We presume to misrepresent the holy creator of the universe really for our own selfish means and deeds. And we do that quite frequently, which is what the third commandment is all about. I know that we learned it as, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And we've talked about this before, but let's review it. It's not just talking about don't cuss. That's not all at all what it is about, or that's just a minor part of it. Because you've got to understand what, it, what it's saying there in, in the Hebrew. Let's go to the next, yeah, where it says, you shall not take. The word there is nasa in the Hebrew, which means literally to take up or carry. Now you take that with the word vain, which is really rooted in a Hebrew word for mist. It means without substance, just lighter than light. Something just doesn't have much substance. So literally what it's talking about is carrying God's name lightly. That's what it's talking about. You can do that if you curse, perhaps, but it's not just with things that you say, it's things that you do. It's, it's your inner attitude, it's what you're thinking about, it's all of that. Carrying God's name lightly in any of those ways, in ways that it really can become identity theft. You're misusing God's name in a terrible way. Now, Jesus gave, hallowed be thy name, the highest priority of all of these petitions after the invocation that we talked about two weeks ago. It's number one, making sure that God is acknowledged as holy. And and that's so amazing because he wants to do that because remember, in the invocation, it's what? Our Father in heaven. And the word Father there is wonderful. Does anybody remember what the the word is there in the Aramaic? Jesus says it's, Abba, remember? And that's a very personal, uh, intimate you know, word for a loving father. And that's great. But isn't it interesting that Jesus immediately moves to the other paradoxical mystery, which is so majestic, which is what? God isn't just this personal, loving God. He's also what? Holy, kadosh in, in the Hebrew. He is also holy, so he is to be hallowed. Jesus begins reminding us that he's a personal God who loves us so much, but again, remember, he is also holy. He wants to protect that name of his from being misunderstood or misused. So it moves from Abba to the holiness of God whose name needs to be hallowed. So to say, hallowed be your name, is the God who is Abba is also holy and is to be hallowed. It's on a different level he is from any other reality. It's a word of really adoration. It's saying, oh God, you have no other equal. Our hope is in you and you alone. But sometimes this is the problem. We hallow something else and that gets in the way and we make it more intimate. It can be a relationship. It can be a presidential candidate. It can be a position that we are wanting to aspire to. It can be money. It can be so many other things. And our, our moods can, can rise or fall on those matters as opposed to the ultimate God who is all things, really. So he is the one God. And, and, it, and once we really place him as ultimate, 
making him our ultimate concern. It gives us the right perspective. So bottom line, we're saying, as you are being hallowed in heaven right now, may we hallow you in that way here on earth before we even get there to heaven. Which moves us from the Holy Father in heaven to the Son who came to us and is our King. So the second point, the Son who is King, thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God, and Keith said this, and I'm so glad he did, the kingdom of God came here when Jesus came. And in fact, and this fascinates me, the phrase kingdom of God does not appear in the Old Testament. It wasn't a part of Hebrew thought or language or culture. It wasn't ever used. It was a new, unique phrase that Jesus brought to us. In his first proclamation that we know of, when he went out first to minister and to preach, what is the first thing he said? Matthew 4, 17, the kingdom of God has come near. <laughs> He's saying, I'm here now. The kingdom is right here. You look at Matthew 12, 28. It says the kingdom of God, what? Has arrived among you. He's saying, and that's me. I mean, in a sense, he is the kingdom of God. He is King Jesus. He has come from heaven to earth. Just amazing. He was on his throne, but, my goodness, was willing to come down here to be with us. And that's not all. Jesus told his followers that we can participate in that heavenly kingdom. We can live a life that's saturated with the presence and the power of the kingdom. Well, we ask, how come we don't see as much of that heavenly kingdom that did not originate here? I mean, Jesus said what? My kingdom is not of this world. Well, it's because we're in this broken world with a lot of kingdoms in conflict with the heavenly kingdom. You can rattle off a lot of those. The political kingdoms, in Jesus' day, it was Caesar. Today, it's all kinds of political kingdoms all across the planet. You've got economic kingdoms. All of these, you know, seeking to influence us, to pull us in, to have power over us. And they are powerful and can do that to us. There are, you know, entertainment kingdoms. There are athletic kingdoms. There are educational kingdoms. There are social media kingdoms. Even the spiritual forces, I mean the spiritual kingdoms, you know, of darkness that really try to pull us into the darkness of evil itself. You know, we, we pray later on not to be lured into that darkness, right? Lead us not into temptation, but that comes later. But thank God one day God's kingdom will come in all of its fullness. Thank God. And every other kingdom will be swept away, thank God. And as it says in Philippians, every knee will bow, every, t every tongue will confess that what? Jesus is Lord. But until that great day, we yearn for it. We yearn for it. Jesus is already in heaven. He's already won. We're just kind of cleaning up the mess or trying to these days. And he's waiting to welcome us. Now, he might well welcome us uh, when we die here, and that'll be great. We get to see him face to face. It could well be that before we die, we get to see him when he comes back here, which would be just completely cool. I, I would really welcome that. But either way, until his kingdom comes in fullness, we pray that Jesus will help us bring heaven here as best we can and trust that his love, and again, Brian talked about that. that you know, that's Jesus' primary weapon is love, and we need to bring it here. We so yearn for that kingdom 
And because we yearn for it, when we're really yearn, yearning for it the way we need to, we want to bring it to people. So let's bring that to the final point, the servants who yearn the kingdom. I think our youth on Sunday night, what is your Bible study called? What's it called? Oh, come on, say it with passion. What is it? More. What do you call that Bible study? Oh, there you go. All right. It's yearn, and I love that. Again, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, but oh, we yearn for it. He didn't just say the kingdom of God is here, though. He also said the kingdom of God is within you. It's so fascinating when you study the kingdom of God. It's really multifaceted, and there's another dimension of it that really is talking about how the kingdom of God is within you. It's kind of like Jesus in your in your heart, which really mingles there, obviously, with the Holy Spirit, which we, you all talked about at your ski retreat. Uh, look at Luke 17, 21. The kingdom of, this is when Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you. Now, let's talk about this kingdom of God, habasaliya tothéo in, in, in the Greek. And basaliya is the word there that gets translated into the English as kingdom, but often it's translated as dominion. Quite frequently, it's translated as reign. Think of the kingdom of God not just as a kingdom, because we can think about that incorrectly, but, but it's the reign of God is what it's talking about. And so it's talking about what the reign of God in our hearts, as one person has said, and I think we have it there, yeah, the reign of God in the hearts of Christ's followers. It's Jesus having lordship over your heart, within your heart. And when he has lordship, you know, of your heart, that's when you have that desire, that passion to go out there and share about the kingdom, about his lordship. And you're willing to do it no matter the context, no matter the resistance you might face, no matter the obstacles, no matter how uncomfortable it it might be, even no matter how awkward it might be. We're yearning to tell others about this kingdom that is not of this world, so it's going to be kind of weird when they first hear about it. But we want to share that with them. And again, Jesus uses different weaponry than other kingdoms. He doesn't use you know, guns and bombs and, 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 and tanks and things like that. He uses love. That's his primary weapon. And that's what we do. And what we need to do is trust that it does make a difference. It makes a powerful difference. Well, one aspect of that love, I would say, is, is hospitality. Uh, Mark Rector did an excellent uh, talk on hospitality last uh, Wednesday evening. And during that time, Don Sullivan mentioned, you know what, that reminds me of the Damascus uh, mission trip that we do up in Damascus, Virginia, at the Appalachian Trail, where it comes down right into the main street there of Damascus, Virginia. And, and he's right, because what we do, and I went, I went two or three years ago, and we have these you know, tents and everything, and we have all kinds of great stuff for the people. And some, there, there's one church in Virginia that washes the people's feet you know, and cleans their feet and everything. And then you have a, a doctor there with, with us. It was Jim Asobi who took care of any kind of medical concerns, that kind of thing. And then there's all kinds of great stuff, you know, for them to uh, eat and to drink because they are thirsty, uh, they're hungry, and they're really just, a lot of them haven't talked to human beings in many days. And so most of them will come up and talk to you, especially if you have food there for them as well. Now, um, 
I was a newbie that, that time, and, and let me say one thing I didn't realize until after this thing I'm going to talk about happened. Uh, app trail hikers love their dogs. Many of them take dogs with them. Did you know that? And they love their I mean, it's close, they're closer to them than family. Uh, it's a sacred relationship with these dogs, and I wish I'd have known that because then I really understood. But... Because I was the newbie, I asked uh, Bobby Campbell and, and Nancy Du Bois if I could be with them. There's Bobby uh, on the left there, and there's Captain Starbucks there uh, who helped us so much. That's Dave Thomas. But uh, I asked Bobby and, and, and Nancy, can I sit with y'all at your all's tent? Because I don't know exactly how this goes. And so, yeah, yeah, come on, sit down. So we were there. And, and, you know, we had, and it was all kinds of great stuff. We had Starbucks coffee, of course, thanks to David. We had Star, Starbucks, are they called Vias? Do you know these little packets where you can make instant, are they called Vias? Yes, okay. Vias are like gold to people on the app trail because you can make really good Starbucks coffee just with these little packets, and they're, they're crazy. I mean, to me, they were look, they, their eyes, they look like zombies. They look at you like... Vias. Anyway, it was really kind of frightening. But so we had Starbucks coffee, Star, Starbucks vias. We had ice cold water bottles. We had sandwiches and brownies and cookies and all kinds of stuff. And most of the hikers are just thirsty and hungry, just dying to see you. So most of them just come right up to you. There were there would always be a few resistors, like they just didn't want to be with church people. You know how church people can be. And I don't want to be with those people. And they were just like, they would try to breeze by. Well, I was sitting there with, with Nancy and Bobby. And uh, Bobby locked eyes with this one guy that you could tell. He's like, oh, there's church people over there. So he starts trying to walk by behind everybody else, you know, on, on the, on the uh, sidewalk there. But, but Bobby was after him. And Bobby just kind of sat back. He was sitting back in his chair. He said, hey, you want some coffee? No. You want some vias? No. You want some cookies? No. How about some brownies? No. And by this time, he's walking way down. He's, we're losing him, you know. You want a sandwich? No. And then Bobby pulled out the heavy artillery. Way down there, he said, well, can I, can I pet your dog? I mean, this guy just stopped. Sacred relationship. Can I pet your dog? He just went, uh, yeah. <laughs> Bobby just went after him, you know, sprung out there. And I just thought it was so cool. He did not give up on this guy. And again, that was a beautiful uh, depiction for me of just this loving hospitality, of bringing the kingdom of God to someone who would have been so resistant otherwise. But he knew how to do it. And uh, it was just great. So we want to bring the kingdom to others. And let me just say that I'm, I'm going to close with this. Bring the kingdom of God to people while you can. Make it count while you can because you don't know how much time you have here. And it's not long for any of us, really, when you think about time. So use it while you've got it here. With that, I want to tell you a story. When I was young, my, my parents always... Uh, subscribed. Do you remember magazines? You know, the, 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 we used to read magazines. Uh, you, you all don't know about this, but we used to read magazines. And, and my parents subscribed to Newsweek and Time and U.S. News, right? And uh, so I, I would read those. And in Newsweek, there was always like an op-ed in uh, 
the beginning of Newsweek, and it says, my turn. And it was usually somebody who was just a regular old Joe or Joanne, and they had something that they wanted to share. But it was usually about some issue or event going on, this kind of thing. And it was just one page, but it was just really interesting sometimes to see what you know the common man, common woman had to say. Sometimes it was a famous person, but just interesting stuff, and I always loved reading those. Well, I'll never forget... It was three months after 9-11, okay? What happened in, in New York, 9-11. And, and a young man who's 23 years old uh, did a My Turn op-ed. And he basically reflected on what he had learned from that tragedy. And, and at the end of the op-ed, this is what he wrote. And, and it was just a beautifully written piece and at the end of it, he wrote this, I've learned also that you can't take things for granted. You know how we always say, see you later? One thing I've learned, one thing I've realized from September 11 is that you can't ever say that for sure. Things change in the blink of an eye. People go to work and don't come back. One minute they're living and the next minute they're not. And it doesn't matter who you are, there's nothing you can do about it. And he concluded this way, we never know when our time will be over, so we all need to make the most of every minute we have. And you know who that young man was who wrote that? Kobe Bryant. We got to bring the kingdom of God to others while we can and make it count. When you can, while you can. And then one day, what's going to be great is we're going to glory in the hospitality of Jesus face to face. Think about that. That's worth alone our giving our time now to bringing some of that heaven that we will one day receive in utterly gracious hospitality from Jesus himself. That's worth bringing to others. Let's pray together. Lord, may we bring your kingdom to the people who so desperately need it. May we trust that simple acts of love really will have a ripple effect, that in some ways you will take those acts and help bring others to your lovely kingdom. So help us not to give up. Help us to be all the more proactive, intentional, aggressive at times if we need to be, not give up, even if there's a lot of resistance. Give us the grace and the grit to do what we need to do to be the missional people you've called us to be. We pray these things in your name. Amen.